You're listening to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. I'm James Garcia, and on this show, I talk to photographers around the world who are turning Lego, action figures, miniatures, custom creations, and more into amazing works of art. This week, I talked to John Aiken, a Seattle-based photographer perhaps best known for his work with toy dinosaurs. Under the username Dinozars, he helped foster a community of other photographers on Instagram with the Toy Dinosquad hashtag, which today has been used on over 21,000 posts. John and I discussed how an abandoned dinosaur comic led him to photographing toys, his nature documentary-style approach, the early days of the toy photography community, and much more. So, without any further ado, on with the show. So uh, let's go ahead and just start with the big question. How are you and uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I'm good and very, very busy. I have two kids now. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, about a three, uh, three-year-old and a six-month-year-old. They'll keep you on your toes and eat up most of your free time. <laughs> on top of that, my wife and I are getting ready to move uh, from Seattle down to Tacoma. So uh. there's like... 50 things in the air that we're juggling at all times, it seems like. <laughs> but I, I'm good otherwise. Good. That's good to hear. I'm excited to talk to you. You're you're one of my favorite photographers, actually. So you were one of the first toy photographers I ever discovered. I'm a big fan of your work. Oh, man, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, let's jump into it. How did you first get into photography? Uh, I'm, well, so when I was in high school, I was really into the video department and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. And after high school, pursued that as a, a, a in educationally. So I went to the Art Institute of Seattle to pursue video and sort of ran in that direction for several years. I had a video production company with some friends and made a bunch of shorts and that kind of stuff, commercials. And then a creative partnership with a friend of mine kind of fell apart. And that kind of soured me on the whole kind of video production end. But I still really liked telling stories visually and stuff. So at some point, I sort of ended up, I'm sure I'll talk about it, but I ended up uh, just sort of picking up a camera and taking pictures and sort of was like, oh, this is kind of the similar-ish. And um sort of just fell into it kind of that way. I didn't really like study or pursue photography specifically, but visual storytelling and how to frame shots and that sort of stuff is definitely sort of like in my wheelhouse from right. a long time ago. Huh. Yeah, you and I are similar in that way where I got my start in video too and then eventually oh, yeah. it was like, hey, photography could be fun. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. What what have you found is the is the big challenge from going from one to the other? Do you like one more than the other? You know, I, don't, I feel like with photography, at least in my mind, I have the same desire with video where I want to sort of tell like a story of some kind. So with video, obviously you get to watch people move or talk or interact or jump around, whatever the sort of story is. And photography, you don't. It's, it's one single moment. But I do like trying to find that like tiny fraction of like a moment where the the photo has life to it or energy to it in some way. So I still sort of, I think, whether the medium is photography or video, I think I look for that hmm. sort of that opportunity to sort of like create that little bit of um, uh, story or element to it, life to it. But with the video, obviously, and editing and all the sort of stuff that goes along with that, there's so many other like sort of levers that you can pull that with photography, you're sort of stuck to a moment in time. But I think it's a similar approach uh, fundamentally. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's funny, I never really thought of the fact that video does have all those different elements going on, like the yeah. music and sound and lighting and movement and cameras. Yeah, all that stuff. You've written before about trying to capture a manufactured realism through your work. Yeah. Is that something that you have found is unique to your photography? Or were you trying to do that with video stuff as well? Uh, I would say that's more unique to photography that, you know, it's funny that that 
term manufactured realism or I was sort of puzzling over that this morning. Like, what did I mean by that when I sort of said that and sort of trying to re re-understand myself? And I think what I was what I was trying to go for was specifically with with toy photography, at least in my experience, I've never shot portraits or landscapes or something with real people. I, I tend to shoot with toys. So I'm drawn towards trying to make them look as realistic as possible, which is my personal aesthetic. I see a lot of people take pictures of toys that have no interest in that. They're trying to do something else. You know, mm -hmm. they're trying to have a funny joke or something or whatever. But for my money, I want to try and achieve realism. So to do that with a toy is like sort of an intentional uphill battle, right? Because right. <laughs> this does not look real. It's too small or whatever it is. So in my case, the toy dinosaurs kind of have these unique elements to them as opposed to other action figures. But to create that realism, you know, the, the figure itself isn't going to do it. So you have to sort of then pick your environment and pick your lens and pick your um, perspective or angle that you're going to sort of take to sort of uh, heighten those elements. So I sort of try, I, I think of the term as manufactured realism as like the sweet spot when all of those elements sort of line up. And some, um, you know, toys have like you can shoot them from any angle and they look good. And other ones, it's like, this is the one way it looks good. And right. other than that, it looks like a toy. But if you can find that one way where it does look it, to, to the viewer eye like, a, like it looks real or something, I think that that sort of brings a life to it. That is what I'm sort of striving to achieve. So hmm. um, the dinosaurs, for example, they don't move. They're not articulated. The toys aren't. Uh, maybe some of them, their mouths move a little bit. For the most part, though, they don't move. So if it's not going to move. The environment has to be, you know, um, right so it looks like at scale or whatever. And then I try to put the camera really low and shoot typically like a human's eye uh, level to what the dinosaur would be if the dinosaur was real. So mm -hmm. if it's a T-Rex or something, you want the camera an inch off the ground so that even though the head of the T-Rex is only four inches off the ground, it looks like it's 25 feet tall as it should be, that kind of a thing. So I sort of try to kind of, I don't know, sort of pursue it as though they're real animals and what would what would the perspective look like? Hmm. So I do a lot of aerial overhead shots, for example, because what are you in a hot air balloon? How are you viewing this thing <laughs> right. from over perspective? But from the ground up, it looks quite real. Yeah, once I read, I forget where you wrote that. It was like an old article or something. Um, I saw that you had said that manufactured realism. And then I, I kind of looked at your work again and saw that, saw that you were doing that. And I yeah. think that really comes through in your work. Let's talk about dinosaurs. Were you? I'm sure the answer is yes, as as it is with like all kids. Were you always into dinosaurs? What what got you into them? I, I have to put a lot of the blame firmly at the feet of Jurassic Park. Mm. I was like the perfect age. I think I was like 10 or 11, and that movie came out, and it just split my brain apart with like <laughs> how amazing and cool. I mean, it's a it's an it's an incredible movie even today. Like you go back in the the effects and the story and the characters have really hold up. I think it's an excellent movie, but for like a 10 year old, it was like a real game changer in right. terms of how <laughs> awesome this was. And there was definitely like a period of time where they sort of uh, dinosaur sort of love was big as I was a kid and then sort of drifted out as I sort of got into high school and stuff. But then um, kind of had this big resurgence when I sort of stumbled into the toy photography stuff. It was sort of this, this, uh, you know, sort of nerd badge of honor that I just sort of like carry like, yeah, no, I, I like dinosaurs. I think they're really cool. And um, I, I kind of always have, even though I haven't maybe always been as as proudly a dinosaur fan. <laughs> no, I think I think it's cool, and and it gave you kind of at least from the very beginning like a your own kind of niche to play around in. And I know yeah. that when you started out, you were kind of on your own in the fringes totally. out there. What was that like? Just kind of 
going into new territory like that? It was weird. Like when I first started posting, um, you know, these pictures of dinosaurs, I was I was new to Instagram at the, at the same time. I sort of started Instagram to post these pictures. So it sort of happened at the same time. So I didn't have like a familiarity with how hashtags worked and all that. So I would, you know, take a picture of a dinosaur or whatever, and I would post, you know, hashtag dinosaur, hashtag toy, whatever. And at some point, I sort of found the toy photography sort of world and all the, you know, people that are there that were doing it before I showed up, but they were doing their own things. But I found, you know, the, the toy crew buddies, like nightly meetups and or, or sessions or whatever, and all that sort of stuff. And, and through hashtags sort of figured out like, okay, there's a way to to search out and find other people. Mm -hmm. And so then I started to follow people and look at their hashtags and search around. And I just kept searching and searching and was not finding anyone doing dinosaurs. And it was this sort of interesting um, feeling of like, well, I feel like I'm doing something interesting. I like it. And when I posted, I'm getting feedback from people that are, you know, whether they're shooting dinosaurs or not, are, are in the same mindset as far as toy photography goes. And they like it. They're giving me positive feedback. So there's something to it but there's no one else doing it. And sort of this weird feeling of sort of like being um, like alone in a sense, but also kind of like you found something new, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're on some sort of a pathway that, of, of, that's less discovered than some others. And then eventually, I don't know, maybe five or six months later or something via searching for hashtags, I found this guy in England named Grant, who also had uh, toy dinosaurs and, and sort of started talking to him and he was taking a few pictures he hadn't done nearly as many as I was doing them. He had a different style than me, and he um, was more actively doing other things. But then he sort of was like, "Oh, this is neat," and got into it. So he kind of became my first like partner in sort of sort of trying to build this larger toy dinosaur community. Yeah. And then we accumulated mass over the last you know several years, and he's uh, totally gone at this point. He um, started becoming a paleontology student, oh, wow. so <laughs> he he went from Instagram to real life in pursuit of dinosaurs. So he's kind of dropped off at this point, and uh, you know, good for him as he should. Now there's sort of dozens and and you know, I don't know how many, probably not a hundred, but there certainly are dozens and dozens of people that that do the the dinosaurs either exclusively or just occasionally, um, which is pretty cool. Rewinding a little bit, let's talk about the the origin of Dinosaurs. One of my yeah. favorite Instagram handles. Oh, yeah, it's thank just you. so clever, and I and I know it started as a comic, or what was yes. the yeah? How did all of this start? So um, after the the, the uh, creative partnership I had with the video thing sort of fell apart, I was sort of searching around for something to do with all this creative energy that I had. And a coworker of mine was an artist. He was a he's a really talented illustrator. And we were chatting about like, wouldn't it be cool to do like a comic book? And we talked about a couple of different ideas. And then at some point he he sort of said, you know, I think dinosaurs would be really cool to draw. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. So I sort of started drafting a, I was going to write it. So I sort of started drafting the storyline and he was going to draw it. And uh, I plotted out like three, like, I don't know, I guess like graphic novels were the story, like a massive amount of story <laughs> that we started drawing episode one of book one and got six pages in before it died. Oh, wow. But yeah, so it was like, it was like, okay, we're going to run a marathon in day one of training. Like, my leg hurts and sort of stopped. But <laughs> the concept was these three sort of interconnected stories. And the the main one, the first one was going to be about dinosaurs basically getting intelligence in a, uh, in a sense where we could, w- the whole idea was to sort of see how like natural dynamics, like predator and prey relationships, how those break down when there's intelligence involved, which is like pretty nerdy stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, if a T-Rex is trying to eat a, a, a brachiosaur and the brachiosaur is screaming for its life, wh- how does the T-Rex feel about that? That was kind of the, the, the like nugget to explore. 
It's so nerdy. But that was going to be book one. Book two is going to be about the Aztecs and the Mayans and sort of like worshiping like local gods versus galactic stuff. And then the third storyline, I know this is nerdy, was going to be about the Soviet side of the, of the space race in the 60s. And sort of like Soviet sort of attempting to catch the U.S. were doing weirder and weirder experiments and they were going to have some weird accidents happen. So these three <laughs> storylines, dinosaurs, Aztecs, space race. We're going to interconnect with each other, and it was it was really way over convoluted. But <laughs> sounds awesome, that, though. It, it, it like on paper, you're like neat, and then the reality of actually bringing that to life is a nightmare. But that was sort of where the name originally came from. Was this the from from dinosaurs to Soviet Russia? Dinosaurs sort of like fit, and we sort of settle on it. We're like cool, and then I started the Instagram handle, or or at least secured it so that we could post content and sort of you know drive interest in the comic book that never happened. And then as that was sort of coming to life. I was at a toy store down in Ballard and I was um, looking for a birthday present for my nephew. And I was there and there's all these figurines. And I was like, oh, neat. That's a cool little dinosaur. I think he would probably like that. He was, I don't know, four or something. And then I saw this really cool dinosaur next to it as an Allosaurus. And I was like, whoa, that is way more detailed and like um, dynamically posed and really interesting looking than these other things. I was like, I should get that. For me, and I justified it as like a figure study, like I will get this and that will be good for the comic book. And then I took it home and I wanted to take a picture of it and show it to my um, illustrator uh, for the comic and sort of be like, dude, check this thing out. So I, But instead of just putting it on a table, I took it out of the backyard, put it in the grass, took a few pictures of it and was like, oh, there's something interesting happening here when it starts to look realistic. And that's sort of where it started. Hmm. And the, the comic book died, as I said, after six pages and Instagram sort of moved on from there. It sort of took off on a life of its own. Huh. Did you ever follow up any of those ideas you had written in your work later or did you just kind of abandon the, the dinosaurs projects altogether? The narrative idea for the comic is still sort of floating around. Obviously, I can recall it today. I have it written down and plotted out. And I, I would still like to, I think, at some point sort of write it out. I work professionally as a writer now, so I certainly have more tools in that arena than in developing it as a comic or, or something else. I had toyed with the idea of enacting like some moments or ideas from it in the, the Instagram post, right? Sort of, sort of like posing dinos as though they're talking to each other and then adding captions and doing all that stuff. But it never was going to, because they're not articulated in that way, it was never going to feel like um, it worked. Hmm. I don't know. I tried it a couple of times and I never really liked how it felt. It felt like it was um, forcing it like the toy dinosaur photography wanted to be one thing and me sort of putting like a narrative or, or like a storytelling attempt onto it didn't seem like it fit very well and it wasn't what it wanted to be. Hmm. That was, So I sort of like let it go and just sort of focused on trying to make them look real instead. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And was that also part of just uh, the limitation of the figures and the articulation and you just kind of, you, you had to kind of go that way, do you feel? or? I mean, I think maybe to a degree. And then I think I leaned into it once I sort of started realizing that the dinosaurs, like... Um, when I when I have a picture or I'm going to post a caption or something, I sort of try to uh, channel like more of like a nature documentary, like looking at this thing as though, you know, you're watching the Discovery Channel and, and you're you, somehow they got a camera crew into the prehistoric period and they're just sort of watching these animals. And then Richard Attenborough is like narrating. Right. So he sort of got this like, you know, oh, is it stalks to the grass? It's trying to chase down its prey or whatever. But that is that's where my mind goes creatively. That's like what fills in that gap is sort of this narrator voice if you will hmm. and the comic sort of ideas are a very different kind of voice and certainly one that i think is interesting in a comic book medium or or maybe in like a, a novel or, a, or or some other sort of story but as far as like one single image 
in Instagram with captions didn't seem like the right medium for that story. So I sort of, I guess, leaned towards the sort of natural side of it, ironically, as it seemed like that's what the medium, I don't know, was meant for, I guess. As you continued doing photography, you, you stuck with dinosaurs. I know that you've done um, some non-dinosaur stuff. I want to talk about that as well. But your focus has always kind of been dinosaurs. Yeah, for um, sure. Why dinosaurs is your main artistic subject? What made you stick with it? I think it's a combination of a couple of things. One, I like dinosaurs. Uh, and, and two, I, I found that my artistic, I guess, photographic style seemed to pair nicely with them. And then I think also, like, it, I sort of found it organically and sort of, like you had sort of said, kind of was one of the first to sort of um, figure that out, at least that I was exposed to. And I felt as though I sort of needed to sort of push it forward in a sense, um, sort of try to kind of see where in my um, abilities could go within that sort of uh, channel. And I think uh, it's really fun to take photos of other toys and all sorts of other things are, are everything has like its own photographic potential in life that's fun to sort of explore. But I just sort of kept coming back to this lane that I had sort of carved out for myself that was mine. And it, it, it seemed to be what people um, at some point early on liked to see. Now I don't really care as much. But when I was, you know, you're trying to develop a, a, a base to sort of validate your work against. So you're talking with other people and seeing what they're doing. And uh, everyone sort of, I think, has their own strengths and leans into those strengths initially to sort of try and kind of go, this is, this is who I am. This is what I can do. And I sort of just stuck in the dinosaur lane, I guess, for, for a while. It really was quite a long time before I started branching out and doing other things, um, some robots and all sorts of other stuff down the road. But I keep coming back to the dinos. Uh, there's just something about trying to, that magical sort of moment when they look real is still special and interesting to me. Even if, you know, it's a figure I've shot dozens of times before, it still has like a uh, like a magical, oh my God, this T-Rex looks like it could be real sort of factor. And that's always been interesting to, to try and um, bring to life. Yeah. And I think you've done a really good job of that through your work. Um, they, they do end up looking realistic. Like I saw one photo you had of, uh, I don't know what dinosaur it was, but it was like kind of standing in the water and it had leaves like in its mouth. And yeah. It totally looked like you had just like come across it eating, you know? Yeah. Well, that's one of the, one of the things that, um, <clears throat> so over the, the course of my sort of dinosaur photography career, I guess you could call it. <laughs> Early on, I was just shooting with my cell phone, right? And and a, and a small group of dinos. I added more dinos along the t uh, road. And I also at some point jumped from a cell phone to like a Canon uh, 60D camera and a 50 millimeter macro lens. That combination of that camera and that lens really worked well for me. Um, it gave me a lot more control over like depth of field and stuff like that, which I thought was really helpful to focus in on the dinosaur and, and try to sort of defocus, I don't know, uh, unfocus, I guess, on the background mm -hmm. elements, right? So if it really ruins the shot to, for me, if, you know, you can see a, a fire hydrant or something in, in the distant background of your right. shot, it's all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, that dinosaur is a toy. But if the, the depth of field is so shallow that all you can see is the six inches in front and behind the dino, and not um, anything beyond that, then you're able to shoot almost anywhere because you can really sort of control um, how much is, is, is visible or in focus. So to your point, one of the um, levers that I found that I could pull really effectively was the environment choice. So along with that camera and the environment, I look for places that have an inherent movement or life to them. So a little stream is an awesome 
place, for example, because mm. you can put this inanimate toy dinosaur into a stream and all of a sudden there's a little bit of current and some waves and some some ripples coming off of it. Now it looks like the, the stream isn't moving, but it looks like the dinosaur is moving upstream or downstream or whatever. It creates this life and energy to it that really helps sell the concept. So once you were shooting for a while, you did, as you kind of touched on, meet some other people that were doing dinosaur yep. work. Um, you co-founded the Toy Dino Squad hashtag. Um, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's go over that story because that's one of my favorite hashtags. And what was that process like and, and how did it grow once you started it? So once I had found uh, the guy in England, Grant, there might have been a third one at that point, but it was just, I think, the two of us. But we were sort of uh, talking back and forth about how we needed a, a, like a, a common hashtag that we could sort of start adding to toy dinosaurs. So obviously, you know, there's a limited number of words that you can put into a hashtag before it gets too long to use. And we were thinking, okay, well, we need toy, we need dinosaur. What else, you know, do we have? And I remember, I was just telling this uh, the other day to a friend, I uh, called my brother, he's, he's quite funny and clever. And I was like, hey, what would you call a whole group of toy dinosaur people together? Because I wasn't quite sure what that, you know, unifying word was going to be, which ended up being squad. But I had said, so what do you call them all when they're all together? And he was like, I don't know, dorks. And I was like, thank <laughs> you. That's that's perfect. And I wasn't uh, insecure enough about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't feel odd about my hobby yet. Uh, this is great. Anyway, so but uh, we decided on squad for whatever reason. So toy dino squad became the hashtag. And we just sort of started tagging each other or, you know, taking our own photos. And, and then as anytime I find somebody new that's posting a toy dinosaur, it comes up in my suggested posts or, you know, maybe it's a photographer I followed for a long time that just decided all of a sudden to sort of try one out, um, which is always awesome. But it, it, it's uh, that happens, too. But anytime I come across one that sort of organically arrives in my view, but doesn't have the toy, I looked and see if they have the toy dino squad tag. And if they don't, every single time I see it, I, I recommend it to them and, and say, you know, feel free to post to this tag on any and all dinosaur shots because it certainly is sort of something I'd like to see grow. And just, I think like last month or, or give or take last couple of months, we hit like our 20,000th, you know, sort of, wow. tag, which is crazy when you think about how specific that tag is, is to the sort of Instagram world and how, how frequent, I mean, I'm a couple of thousand of those, but most of them are <laughs> other people all over the world. It's crazy. Um, it's been really cool to see that sort of grow and have a life of its own and have these weird surges of members, I guess you would call them, or users, I guess. And then, as you mentioned, we did, uh, there's been two different iterations of a Toy Dino Squad account by itself. Like, uh, I think the first one was TDS, no, it was Toy Dino Squad by itself. And then the other one was like TDS Rex or whatever. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a weird challenge to feel like I struggle to find enough time to post my own stuff, let alone to then sort of moderate a, a, a shared account with a couple of other sort of members. And so we have these rushes where somebody will feel like really inspired and they sort of run with it for a few months. And there's like, you know, feature posts or contests kind of stuff or whatever. And then, you know, life happens and that person gets derailed and then it sort of falls apart for a while. So yeah. I don't really know what the future is of this sort of group accounts. The only sort of consistent function of it at this point or really over the last several months was to sort of just uh, talk about the Raptor Pack tag of the day or whatever. But even that is sort of starting to, to lose some steam and hit some speed bumps. So I don't know if it'll keep going or, or not. The hashtag, though, I think at this point, I could I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I think the hashtag would still sort of be <laughs> strong um, and robust just because of, at this point, there's so many people that have uh, become aware of it. Right. And is that, yeah. does that feel pretty good knowing that the, the hashtag now has a life of its own and, and a community totally. out there of its own, you know? Yeah, it's, it's weird um, to feel like, you know, ownership over something that's 
that's just a, a hashtag, but it feels like a, a thing that I sort of helped launch off the ground. And now it's sort of doing its own thing and has its own life. And, um, you know, that's awesome. I don't even think there are probably people posting and using it on a regular basis right now that probably have no idea who I am or, or any of the sort of older school members or, or users of that tag are, because why would they, right? We're sort of um, we've dropped off the map uh, comparatively to to what they're doing on a daily or, or weekly basis or something. Yeah, let's talk about, you brought up the Raptor Pack days. Um, yeah. th- that was another one of those, just as I was growing as a photographer and getting more involved in toy photography, something I started paying attention to and liking and something that really caught on with the toy photo community was your Raptor Pack days. Yeah, it was kind of this, this weird idea where early on I just sort of, uh, you know, we had found maybe maybe a dozen or so other photographers around the world that were sort of interested in doing the dinos and stuff. And not only there were sort of two elements. One was I noticed that almost everybody had a Raptor in their sort of assortment of dinos. Uh, again, thank you, Jurassic Park, for popularizing them. And then the other part was sort of this this feeling of, again, this is, this is so dorky, but like raptors are pack hunters in the Jurassic Park sort of movies. They really fe- feature on that sort of raptor pack dynamic. And so I sort of thought, well, what if we all posted a photo of a raptor on the same day and the same time with the same hashtag? And, and we could sort of essentially sort of be like as a global community sort of come together and sort of recognize that like we are all more interconnected than not. Um, hmm. Sort of a very, you know, optimistic, the world is a beautiful place sort of an idea. <laughs> so these two sort of things sort of formed in my mind at one point. And I said, OK, well, we'll just we'll set a tag and we'll set a day and we'll let people know and they can join. And the first I don't know how many people joined the first time, not more than. 10 maybe or something but it was it it, it had a momentum to it I had this feeling of like oh this is really cool and I wanted to pick a day that would be uh, repeatable every month that you could sort of predict and this was in September of 2013 I was I was getting married on the 20th of September to my (laughs) wife and uh so I remember I was like okay well I can't do it on this this idea hit on like the the 15th or 16th of that month and I was like oh man we should do this this will be great so uh I didn't want to wait till the next month I wanted to just do it and I knew I was getting married on the 20th. And then on the 21st, I had all this. That was a, it was a Friday. And the 21st, the Saturday, I had all this stuff. We were going to have a big barbecue and a bunch of people over the house. I had all this stuff going on. But then Sunday, the 22nd, there was like nothing on my calendar. It was like this total weird dead day except for a pack for a honeymoon that we left on Monday. So I knew I had this dead window of time on the 22nd where I could at least post a photo without any sort of distraction. So I picked the 22nd as the first one, huh. and that's still to this day, like the 22nd of every month. We've missed a handful uh, over the years, but uh, for the most part, every 22nd of every month has been a Raptor pack. And then over the years, sort of blossomed into this thing where uh, I think probably at one point we maybe had close to 30 people maybe participating, maybe 40, which doesn't sound like a lot, obviously. But when you're asking people to sort of do something specific on a specific day that they have to also care about dinosaur photography, I mean, it's pretty <laughs> right. small pool that you're pulling from but you know it grew and it had all these sort of like uh, moments these flourishes where we get a big group whenever i was at a a toy photography meetup of any kind which i'm sure we'll touch on i would sort of try and promote it and sort of you know tell people hey borrow my my raptors get your photos so you can post that sort of thing but much like the shared accounts the 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 toy dino squad profiles that i was talking about have sort of fallen apart the Raptor pack itself has sort of fallen down in numbers of, of participants. And in the last couple of times, you know, it's me and, and maybe three other people. And, and one of them is taking a picture of like a dog or something. It's, it's sort of, you know, it's sort of really uh, devolved in, in popularity. And I think that's probably in large part to my, my sort of 
pull back from posting and pull back from having much of a of an online sort of presence. I think those two things probably correlate to each other. Um, I'm sure it'll come back at some point uh, in, in a robust way, but I don't know if I'm the person to do it or maybe it'll just be some other time in the future. Hmm. I don't know. As a practice, like the Raptors element of it is like specific to me and interesting to me and fun. But I think the concept of just sort of going, hey, let like let's internationally sort of come together, you know, celebrate our toys. So you could have a like a Thor day or a, a I don't know what else, Star Wars sort of thing, you know, a Darth Maul day or something. But I feel like you could you could take that idea and sort of carry it into other genres or other things. And I think there's a value to that mm-hmm. and something interesting there. But maybe the the Raptor specific element of it is is. Um, little too narrow for, for the numbers that I was hoping for. I love the idea, like I said, in, the, in that community aspect. And um, it, it kind of gives me a segue into talking about meetups because you've been to a couple of the toy photo meetups, especially yeah. in the beginning. You were at the, the Vegas one and yeah. the Seattle one. Did you go to uh, San Francisco? I didn't. I couldn't. Those are the only two I've done. I couldn't make it okay. to San Francisco and I couldn't make it to Portland um, last year, unfortunately. Uh, it was uh, scheduled. I can't remember what the exact dates were, but it was like within a, a three or four day window of when my second daughter was going to be born. Ah. So I was just a, a like I couldn't I couldn't right. go four hours <laughs> away and take pictures of, of toys um, in good conscience. But yeah, uh, so the Vegas one was the first one, which was crazy uh, and really. I remember talking to my wife about. It. I was like, I'm going to go to Las Vegas and take pictures of dinosaurs for a few days with some friends, and I know about three of them. And I'm going to stay with a guy I've never met, but I'm Instagram friends. It was, you know, her mind went to the dark place of like, you're going to get murdered by all these crazy (laughs) people that you don't know. But it it just became this thing of like, I think a a mix of trust and a mix of um, curiosity. And then also just sort of like, I think this hobby is so specific and small. And for many people, it's very uh, lonely, Uh, not necessarily in a bad way, but it's very isolating. You're very Mm. alone. You know, photography itself is a somewhat solo enterprise. You know, it's you and your eye and the story you want to tell sort of expressed to the camera. Sometimes you're photographing other people. I suppose that could be more interactive. But toy photography is so such a solo enterprise that if you have the good fortune to to go out shooting with a, a friend or somebody, it makes this massive change in in how fun it is, at least in my experience. You know, all of a sudden you start sharing ideas or you share uh, uh, toys to, to photograph or you just sort of start to watch somebody and watch how they get the results that they get. You know, like all we ever see are the finished final products on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. But when you're in person, you can watch their process and you can watch them how they how they pick up this figure. No, not that one. This one. Yeah, this one's right for this spot. And they set it here and then they pose it like this and then they shoot it from here and shoot it from here. And then later you see the result on Instagram and you go, oh, like I can see the 40 different steps they went through. Decisions got made to get to that result. You don't get that if you don't, you know, sort of share in the in the, the creation sort of phase. So toy meetups were like, that was the thing I was the most interested in was, was seeing other people and how they do it. And then mm-hmm. also sort of, talking about how I do my stuff. And so those were all the reasons that I wanted to go. When Shelly sort of first started sort of kicking this whole thing around, I was an avid sort of advocate for it uh, initially. Uh, the last couple I haven't been able to attend, unfortunately, but the concept I still think is incredibly powerful and strong. And I would encourage anybody that has this hobby to try and make it to one because I really think it, it expands and diversifies sort of the whole process. It takes it from a very personal one to a very public one in a good way or a shared one, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. It's funny, we talked so much on this podcast about 
and on the blog about about the meetups. And yeah. sometimes I feel like when I'm writing the questions to prep for the episodes, I think, well, should I ask about the meetup? I just talked to so and so about it, and it's like, no, everybody. It's a it is such a unique experience and everybody yeah. has a different perspective on how the experience went or why they went to it or, or what they yeah. went for. And so I just think that um, sometimes I we talk about it a lot, but that's because we believe in it so much and we want people to go to these things and we have so much fun and just yeah. the intrinsic value of sharing that experience with other people. Uh, which is exactly what you were trying to do with the Raptor Pack days and the Toy Dino Squad. And I, I think it's cool that you were doing that online and then extended that to meeting people in person as well. Yeah, that's true. I think it's, 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 a, it's an evolution of that same idea, which is this sort of, uh, again, just sort of trying to to find a way to take a very, I wouldn't call it an introverted process, but I feel like photography is a very personal process mm-hmm. and find a way to share it um, with other people beyond here look at the final photo but like i want to i want to uh discuss and live in the discussion of why we do what we do and how we do it and and you know you and i could have because toys are manufactured in in large scale you and i could have the exact same uh action figure or something lego set but how we approach it and how we end up shooting it, it will be a night and day results because, you know, we just have very different creative processes. But by watching you or talking to you about your process and sharing my own, all of a sudden, like I get more tools in my toolkit for for how I can, you know, sort of move forward and evolve as an artist. I think that's a big, big missing piece for a lot of people is they sort of get in these very sort of, uh, I go off and I shoot and I come home and I post and it becomes a very sort of contained process. And I think anytime that something can sort of disrupt that in a, in a collaborative way or, a, you know, you, you might get a new idea or a new inspiration from somebody else sort of a way, all of a sudden it can sort of, uh, it doesn't shut you down, but it opens you up in some new way where now you're going off alone, but now you've got new ideas or, or new concepts to sort of try. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the first toy photography meetup, the one in Vegas, the very first day, there wasn't a lot planned. I, people were arriving, in the, you know, and all throughout the day, you know, morning, noon, and night. But I ended up arriving in the afternoon, and um, uh, my buddy Josh, uh, Papa Jove, or Javi, or whatever his name is, <laughs> he's from Canada. It was the first time I was meeting him. He was, he's a big dinosaur guy. And then uh, uh, Nick, uh, who's like Wee Man, that, um, who was living in Seattle at the time, he was there. And other people were there too, but they were doing those things. But those two guys and I drove out to some park somewhere and just shot just three of us like the first day and just sort of shot until the sun went down before we were all supposed to meet up with everybody for beers or something and it was like a just a really fun sort of like like i just so josh i had talked to him for years online but it was the first time meeting him in person and he was kind enough to say hey why don't you get a cot from the hotel and stay in my room basically for free (laughs) because i was really broke so I was like, this is great. I'm going to stay with this guy that I don't know. You know, that's kind of a, a weird getting to know you um, thing to sort of go from Instagram to like, we're going to sleep 10 feet away from each other. Right. <laughs> uh, but going out and shooting that afternoon, it was like, oh, you know, you just so quickly settle into like a comfort zone with you, with your own process. And then these people that you sort of know under a certain circumstance, um, you get to know them for real, but they're doing the thing that you know them for. So it becomes this, it's very quick assimilation to like friends. Right. It you know, if I, was, if I was like, oh, all I know you for is your photography and let's go out to a restaurant and have food. Well, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're probably going to talk about photography because that's how we know it. That's a common ground we have, at least at first. Mm-hmm. So what's better than going out and talking about photography is like, well, let's go out and do photography together. And, and it's an even more um, immediate way to sort of bridge that gap.
So how did you first get connected to the toy photo community itself and meeting people like Shelly and, and getting involved? I know that you've written for the blog a few times. Like how yeah. did that all, all happen? So there was this... If this still happens now. You you see those um, sort of posts of like a viral sort of post will go through the the toy photography community. It'll be something like um, uh, you know so and so tagged me and asked me for what are my my top five photos of the year. Like well, mm-hmm. one of those sort of things, you know. So there was one of those many years ago that was like you know introduce the photographer behind the camera, right? So like sh- you know sh- give us a picture of yourself and uh, where you're from and what you're into that sort of a thing, like a like a bio. And I decided to do it. So I posted a photo of myself and wrote a handful of things about myself, like my name and where I'm from and, and, and my job and that sort of stuff, whatever it was. And when I said I live in Seattle, I immediately got comments from two people that I was already following. And one of them was Shelly and one of them was a Brick Sailboat, who's mm. uh, Paul. And he has since moved to uh, one of the Carolinas, um, his I can't remember if it's north or south, unfortunately. <laughs> he and Shelly were the first two. And so we were chatting about like, oh, we all live in Seattle. This is so weird. And Shelly and Paul had met up, I think, once before that because hmm. um, they both shot Lego. So they had like this common ground. And it was like, OK, well, let's go. Let's grab a beer. Like, let's do it. And and I again, my my then fiance, she wasn't my wife yet. Uh, she was like, you're going to go get murdered. Like, you're going to go meet people <laughs> and it's not going to go well. And I'm going to have to call the police, whatever. But um, I went and we just met at a bar in in Ballard and I had no idea what they looked like, but we sort of found each other at the table sort of awkwardly eyeing around like, who is this? And then we just sort of chatted for a few hours and it was really cool. And a couple weeks later, we went out shooting and it was like just this very sort of, I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's like naive in this day and age, but I just felt very like willing to just trust that these people were good and meant no harm or, or you know, didn't want to rob me or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it'd be a pretty terrible criminal enterprise if you were like, I'm going to post photos of Legos online for two years and then finally meet the somebody and rob them. And that's that's, right, not that's very catfishing good. On, a, on a whole other level. Yeah, <laughs> real, real long game. <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, so we, we met up and, and it was really nice. It was great. Like we were just talking about because you finally have somebody that wants to talk with as much passion and energy and detail and specifics about something that no one else in your life wants to talk about <laughs> on that level that you do. So, you know, it's it's um, really refreshing when you meet somebody that's willing to sort of deep dive with you and wants to sort of match your your interest. You know, it's, it's before the Internet sort of came to be, you know, 20 years ago or something, there were probably very similar sort of feelings with people like, you know, we all, you know, uh, love Spider-Man comic books or something, but there's no common ground to go and meet and talk to each other. And then, you know, uh, obviously these conventions and stuff sort of are birthed out of that same longing. The internet is just a digital version of that, I think, but it, it allows people to communicate, meet each other and sort of interconnect in a, in a somewhat remote way, but in a, in a genuine way, you can build connection. But taking it offline to real life, Again, much like a comic book convention or something, it's just like it's so enriching to so I feel so strongly about this weird specific thing. And now I found somebody else that does too. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it is one of the most powerful, uh, inspiring and invigorating feelings you can have. I think it's incredible when you meet someone who cares about the same things you care about. That's one of the beautiful things about the Internet and something that I th- wish more people got out of the internet and, yeah. and social media in general, you know, is, is that, is that social piece of it that is kind of missing nowadays? Yeah. I mean, even though, I mean, uh, within the Instagram community, it's right. You, you're, if you're going to interact with somebody through Instagram, you're going to like their picture. You're going to uh, comment on their picture 
or or now maybe you might DM them di- directly about their picture or something like that. But like those are the those are the tools that you have available within that medium to sort of express how you uh, how you feel about their work or, or a particular image. And a like is about the easiest thing in the world to give somebody, but it also means it's not really worth a ton, you know. And a comment is obviously a lot more meaningful depending on what you're choosing to say. But you know, hey great job is like, okay, that, thank you. That's nice. But to sort of be like, Hey, this really works for me. And here's why, or I love how you found the right lighting for this thing. Or whatever. that's a, that's a really valuable comment to me or, or a, a way of communicating with somebody, but to take all of that in comparison to an face-to-face in-person conversation about their work or, or something, it's like a whole other realm of, of quality in terms of what this means to me. You know, you're building a connection of, um, between two people, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and you're not, you don't have screens separating you. It's your face to face or, or even better. Like, you know, I've seen that some meetups. I've seen uh, photographers, like one of them will be getting down and start shooting something. And another one will come over and just sort of talk with them through the process and watch what they're doing, ask them what their questions are, throw out suggestions, ideas. You know, the other person maybe goes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm close, but it's just not quite working. What is it? And the other person takes a look at it and goes, oh, well, you know, what if their arm was down or, or what if, you know, um, you shot it from over here. That is a level of engagement that social media is in, will never achieve um, right. j- just because of the nature of it. But it's really valuable to an artist, I think. Yeah, one one interesting thing I remember about uh, you and I met at the uh, Seattle Toy Photo Safari 2016. And um, one thing I remember about you specifically was that you were going around and, you know, introducing yourself to people and asking like, oh, who are you on Instagram? Yeah. Um, and but one of your questions was like, why is that your Instagram handle? Like you kept uh-huh. asking people that. And I just thought that was it's something that we just know, like I know more people by their Instagram handles than by their names or by their faces, yeah. you know, but just that you went that extra level to be like, why did you, why are you calling yourself such and such? You know, I, th- I thought that was a really good uh, extension of that that social interaction you know it's funny i kind of forgot about that but that it's a really great question because everybody had to at some point make that choice of what their name was and they probably i think you can change it you know kind of like midstream if you want to sort of change it you can but most people don't they sort of just run with it and so it's really interesting to sort of be like you know when you were first starting who who were you uh why why did you make this choice or that choice and then how does it then define them now, you know, like that's just really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, forgot about that. That's, that's a great question. You can ask anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's something that maybe I should start asking on the podcast now. It's just, yeah, why are you, because, you know, like dinosaurs, I, I showed my wife your Instagram account yesterday and she, she really liked it and she saw the name and laughed and she was like, is he from Russia? I was like, yeah, well, right. no. <laughs> it's just, you know, so just hearing the story behind the name is, is, is another level of getting to know an artist that uh, is yeah. really interesting to me. There's a, there's a, obviously like the story, like we talked about behind it. Plus it's just a nice wordplay, which I, right. I, I'm a sucker for good wordplay. <laughs> Switching gears a little bit. You've done some great, like non-dinosaur photography work as well. Uh, yeah. Legos, action figures, stuff like that. When did you start incorporating those into your photography? And then what, what is kind of the difference you have found between shooting dinosaurs and, and other stuff? Or is there a difference? You know, I don't know what the first like non-dino thing was that I, I acquired and, and, and started shooting. I know at one point I started to get pretty interested in the in the robots from um, the 3A uh, Ashley Wood series. They're 
these, this is based on a comic, but they're these really cool looking robots, kind of dystopian sort of robots. I thought those would work well with dinos. I tried some different stuff. And then I just, I had some other weird toys lying around in boxes and stuff from when I was a kid, like a Boba Fett or whatever. So I, I did some of that kind of stuff just early on, just for uh, experimenting, I guess, or mm. sort of variety's sake. I mean, now I have, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 dinosaurs total, but Back then, I maybe only had four or something like that. So it was also a way to sort of keep variety uh, in my my sort of creative process. I used to shoot uh, matchbox cars a lot, matchbox cars a lot. They, um, I don't know why that was fun. I don't really <laughs> even have any interest in doing it anymore. But there was a period where that was really interesting to me. I think probably also because they were really cheap. You know, they're about a dollar a piece, so you can get you know five or ten of them um, and go out and try some fun stuff. But I don't know which ones work well compared to others, but I tend to like uh, the non-dino figures that, for whatever reason, just sort of speak to me. I have uh, a Stormtrooper that I like, a Boba Fett I like. I like a Thor figure a lot. I have other ones. I have a Batman. I have a Spider-Man. I have a, like all these random things that I've just acquired over the years that I've never shot, or maybe I shoot once and I sort of put them away. It just They just don't come to life photographically in a way that some of the other ones do mm. and when they do i i tend to throw them in my kit and just sort of take them with me if i go out shooting i have one of those um uh articulated skeletons from um i think it's from jason the argonauts or something but it's mm. like this really uh art- you know malleable skeleton and it has swords and cool stuff and i've taken that thing everywhere because it's fun to use on its own as a skeleton it's also fun to use as a sort of a prop element as a dead body for another character to react to or something like that but I, I, I don't know quite if I approach them any differently than the dinosaurs, other than the fact that they, for the most part, are articulated. So that adds a, a, a fun element to it hmm. that I, I think pose first, I guess, in a sense. But the other toys and stuff don't really change. Once they're set up, my, my photographic approach is still sort of trying to convey realism for the most part. So I think most of the other pro- bits of the process are are similar to the dinosaurs other than that first bit of like well where are they going to be sitting and what are they going to be doing with a t-rex or something they they're going to look how they look because they don't move so they're just going to sit there (laughs) i would guess sort of like um the nutshell answer is to keep the creative process stimulated i think sometimes you just need to try new things Mm -hmm. and that's that was a very readily available and open thing to try that i had seen hundreds of other people do stormtroopers or do bubba fett or whatever and i just like trying my hand in their channel and see what happens and sometimes i like the results and sometimes i didn't but when i did i sort of remembered that and tried to sort of incorporate that further down the road so it's just sort of a change of pace not as active now as you used to be uh, are you still following the community do you shoot in your own time even if you're not posting do you have the urge to dive into it all again what how are you approaching this hobby now i still am pretty active on instagram itself so i mean i'm i'm on the app daily multiple times a day for different things uh i, I haven't really unfollowed any of the people that i ever used to follow so i still see everyone's stuff that i like or, or when i find somebody new i follow them and i try to like and comment and sort of be an active uh, an engaged participant from that perspective. I haven't shot in months. Uh, the last time I did, I would have, so my camera broke a long time ago and I haven't fixed it. Hmm. And so I have these weird windows of time where a camera sort of comes into my possession for a window of time. So if, uh, if there's a, a local meetup happening and Shelly's going to be there, she might bring a spare for me 
or um, there was a period where I had one at work that I was able to bring home for like a long weekend, that kind of a thing. Hmm. And, I'll, and so then I'll have a camera and I'll try and go and shoot, you know, 40 or 50 shots or something just to kind of like <laughs> stop up, right. sort of dole them out. But I have not been shooting in a long time. And uh, part of me definitely is feeling that uh, missing from my life and feels like I would like to return to that at some point. You know, my kids eat up a lot of my downtime at the moment. So that's something that sort of takes priority. But I, I could very much see myself re-entering photography, uh, you know, a hobby in a realistic way at some point. But also when I was starting out and really, I mean, there was a time where I was at a really feverish clip. I would post about three shots a day which is crazy now. Um, <laughs> then that reduced down to daily and then that became weekly and now it's, you know, monthly or something. But when I was at that, that sort of height, I was creatively scratching an itch that I didn't have another way to, to scratch. So I have, uh, I'm a creative person. I have a pretty large sort of creative, um, drive. And at that point in time, my work wasn't stimulating it. My other activities weren't stimulating it. I play music, but that wasn't quite stimulating it. It was like this, I had a, an output and nowhere to put it. Hmm. And Instagram became the place to put it for a few years. Since then, I have developed other creative outlets that are sort of uh, function while photography is, is down. So I write uh, professionally now. That's very creative. I write for fun, which is creative. And then my, like I said, I don't have a lot of free time with my kids. But the, the sort of output that I have within me needs to go somewhere. And right now it, it's going to places that are, are working just, I don't come home. Uh, how do I phrase it? I used to come home from work and feel like, like I was going to burst with, with output, creative output that I needed to go put somewhere. So I would just, I would go take photos for a few hours or go play music or, or whatever it was to sort of get that out of my system. Hmm. Nowadays, because I write creatively at work all day, I come home and I don't have as much of that to give. Right. So there's less of a sort of like propulsion to, to create. Hmm. Um, it goes in other places, but I would very much imagine that I will come back to it in a strong way at some point. I just don't think it'll probably be the same. I don't imagine I'll get a camera that I used to have, fix it up or something and go out just to the same spots and take pictures in the same way. I imagine right. that I will have a different artistic goal or um, artistic expression to 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 put forth that will uh, manifest differently but i don't know what that is yet hmm. well I, I look forward to seeing whatever it is so yes. and yeah and and i understand that uh like you were saying like if your job isn't simulating and then you come home and you have that creative drive to do something mm -hmm. i i was the same way i used to work at a grocery store and so all day i would just stock shelves and then come home and it's like i just gotta do something you know so yeah i can I can relate. My, my day job when I first started all this, I worked in retail um, at a, a dog and cat food store. So mm. although I was, the, I was the manager of the store and had to do a lot of like people stuff, I would come home and be like, I put away, you know, 500 pounds of food today on the shelves and like, ah, I gotta do something with this energy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a very different environment that I work in now, which is great. I'm very, very happy to, to be creative all day, but it definitely changes the sort of my, my like I think hobbies, uh, manifest themselves in people based as sort of like an antidote to other aspects of their life. I think mm. like if you're like, I just am obsessed with playing soccer. That's all I want to do is I want to go play soccer. It's like, okay, well, I imagine that, that that is healthy for you in some way that, you know, you're like, you're, you're being fed in some way that in other parts of your life, you're starving for that. You know, maybe it's 
It's that throughout the day, you just want to be competitive and there isn't a way to do it. Or maybe it's that you just feel like, you you know, maybe you're stuck in an office chair all day, you know, on a keyboard and you want to move. So soccer sort of fulfills those parts of your life that you need. Um, so I imagine that, you know, um, at this point, because my day to day has shifted, my hobbies have shifted also to sort of counterbalance that stuff. So to wrap up, I, I just I missed one super important question at the beginning. Uh, what is your favorite dinosaur? Oh, best question. Yeah. Uh, I again, I mean, I gotta blame Jurassic Park, but I'm such a sucker for the T-Rex. It's mm. it, there's just something uh, iconic, and even though like you know science has proven that there were bigger and more fearsome predators at that time and all that sort of stuff, there's just something so like incredibly ingrained in my like childhood mind about like that the T-Rex is like the, the biggest, most amazing thing that's ever been alive. It's not true, but they're awesome. Right. And <laughs> um, the Jurassic Park really cemented that fact in my, in my mind, and I just can't get over it. It's not my favorite toy for dinosaur to shoot. Uh, there are other ones that just have these weird little quirky life aspects to them that I like to sort of uh, bring to life. That one that you mentioned um, that was in the stream with a little bit of plant in its mouth, that's called a gyriposaurus. And um, it's one of my favorites to shoot. It's this weird little herbivore. Uh, for whatever reason, they just sort of like sit there and they seem like like very large cows or something. But there's something about the T-Rex that when when it's like push come to shove, that's hands down my favorite just because of, I guess, the it, it had that stature when I was a child and it's never left. Awesome. That's the perfect yep. answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago, I had the good fortune to go to Chicago and I went to the, um, the natural history museum where they have Sue, the T-Rex, mm. uh, uh, skeleton, which is a fascinating story in and of itself, but they have this, the skeleton there of Sue. And it's just the most amazing thing to see the skeleton of a thing that, you know, obviously was much more imposing when it had all its flesh and muscles and stuff on it. But it's just like, holy moly, is this thing terrifying to imagine seeing and then again you see it you know in movies or something and it looks real and it's it's incredible it's the coolest thing where can people find your work online i know you're not as active now but you still have the dinosaurs account and people can reach oh, yeah. out to you uh where can people find you well that's i mean as far as the toy photography stuff goes that's probably still the best place i have a, a website but that's more for my uh writing and, and professional side if you if you want to get a hold of me for whatever reason instagram is still probably the, the best way and yeah still i'm still very active on the app even if i'm not posting i'm there every day looking at stuff and um responding to messages or whatever if they come through which happens pretty rarely nowadays but i used to get a lot of like questions and stuff like that but i'm still pretty active so yeah hit me up if you have questions cool yeah yeah that's how we got this episode going you messaged me on instagram or that's i commented what... on a photo or something and it just snowballed from there and here we are so yeah which i think right. is awesome yeah the uh the video doc that came out you know from the seattle meetup sort of reminded me of all these great like people and great sort of moments and i was like oh man this is really cool and i think yeah i think i commented something like you know I'll, I'll talk about it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm glad we did. So thanks so much. Yeah, uh, great talking to you, James. Yeah, yeah, you too. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and daily articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
We also ask that you please leave us a five-star review. That'll help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers and on Instagram at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. And finally, you can reach out to us with comments, concerns, recommendations, etc. at toyphotographypod at gmail.com. I'm James Garcia. You can find my work every single week at toyphotographers.com, as well as on Twitter at TheRealJames, real spelled R-E-E-L, on Instagram at TheRealJames23, and on my website, therealjames.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys next week.